Hello and welcome back to another episode of Paradigm Shift, the podcast in which I challenge your thoughts and beliefs over topics such as spirituality, religion, philosophy, politics, ancient history, and everything in between. And today we will be continuing the second part of um, the Anunnaki, uh, what, who they are, what they did, and what's their influence in today's world when it comes to politics, economy, and religion. So let's go ahead and do the intro. So now this is obviously part two of two parts uh, of this topic, which is about the Anunnaki. Now, if you did not hear or watch the first episode, I highly recommend that you do because it contains a lot of information. We will delve deep into the mythology of the Anunnaki, uh, who they were, how they influenced different civilizations and what they did in ancient Mesopotamia uh, or Sumeria, as it was known at the time and how the, the tablets that were retrieved at that time um, basically informed us about their history. So I'm going to do a very quick recap of what we talked about very, very fast, but it is very highly recommended that you do go back and watch the entire episode. So as I was saying before, that in 1843, uh, an archaeologist was digging in uh, North Iraq, and he came about uh, a, an ancient uh, abandoned castle, which turned out to be um, from the Sumerian era, which is around 4,000 to 6,000 BC. And uh, inside it, there were a lot of tablets. The most clear ones were 18 tablets uh, that had the cuneiform on them. Cuneiform is the language and the first written language in history that uh, depicted a lot of information about the ancient beliefs, mythology, and religion of the Sumerian people. From those, we... The most important aspects of that mythology were, of course, the Anunnaki. Anunnaki is uh, what they refer to as gods at the time, but it literally translates to those who descended from the stars, or in other terms, those who from heaven to earth came. And from these Anunnaki gods, which was an entire pantheon of gods, two of them stand out and they are mentioned over and over. Both of them are Enki and Enlil. Enki being the administrator of earth, he was in charge of the creation of man, he was in charge of um, running, uh, uh, taking care of the animals and the forests and everything related to the planet, whereas Enlil was a more of a heaven or sky god, he was taking care of the, you know, everything above and he was higher in ranks than Enki. And we also discussed how those Sumerian tablets which were discovered depicts the Garden of Eve, uh, sorry, the Garden of Eden, uh, maybe that was not a slip, uh, the Garden of Eden, it was referred to in those tablets, unlike what we believe right now that they came from either the Old Testament of the Bible, the Torah, or the Quran, it actually did not emerge in that, These, the name of the Garden of Eden, Eden in specific, as well as Adam, Eve, and different references that we have been told that they come from uh, religious background. They did not come from religious backgrounds. And this is the purpose of this episode. That's why I split them into two, because in today's episode, I'm going to make a head-to-head comparison between what the Bible, uh, 
the Old Testament of the Bible and what the Quran and what the Torah say and what these Sumerian tablets say. And this was a big like, fundamental moment for me when I found out about these ancient tablets because unlike previous religions, the, the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity do not mention anywhere that they have borrowed information from these tablets which very conveniently are in the same region as where the, the Abrahamic religions came. So when we talk about northern Iraq, when we talk about um, Palestine, Lebanon, Egypt, and the entire you know, Middle East and North Africa region, this is where all the stories and all the history of the Abrahamic religions took place, where the Bible is depicting the stories happened, Quran uh, depicts where it happened, the Torah depicts where they happened, and at the same time, it's very conveniently close in geographic form to these Sumerian tablets and these ancient stories. And basically, one of the most important topics that the Sumerian tablets talked about was that Enki, uh, who, like I said, was the administrator of man and the creator of man, used a, another god's DNA and body to that god sacrificed himself in order to take parts of him and to take part of an existing animal which is on earth at that time. And by that, they were able to create mankind or the first man known as Adam. Uh, side note, which is also going to which is a very interesting word and it's going to trigger a lot of people, I know. But, I mean, these are the, this is the truth, that Adam in ancient Sumeria was written as Adama and that name refers to, in other translations, I mean, when they translated, they came up to understand that Adama means animal. So, we can clearly see that the Sumerians, uh, I mean, the Sumerian gods, the Anunnaki, considered man as an, as an animal or came from an animal and they used man as, uh, as a slave to work for them and to take care of the land, which was known as, the, as Eden or the Garden of Eden. We also talked about wh where in today's science we understand that there is a hint that man was a merge between two different species, and that comes in uh, chromosome number two. This chromosome, which is part of our DNA, the 23 chromosome, so chromosome number two stands out among the different chromosomes because it's the only chromosome that shows that there was an end-to-end -end fusion between two ancestral beings. So everything that is chromosome two, two shows that something has fused it together, whether it was done naturally through evolution or uh, manually through someone's help. This we don't know, but we do know that this chromosome is unique in its component and it is the reason why humans stand out from other species on the planet. It contains uh, everything that helps us think, feel emotions such as empathy and love and stuff like that. We have intelligence, we are self-aware. Everything is within these chromosomes. And basically, we also talked about how the, the Sumerian tablets contained about the story of creation and the story of the Garden of Eden. And compared to... Uh, and um, Enki, basically, who was, like I said, the god of Earth, had reptilian features and was also referred to as the serpent. This serpent is a very prominent figure in the Bible, and he was, like, 
referred to as the devil, even though there was no mention of the devil in the entire Old Testament of the Bible. There is no mention of the devil. We just assume it's the devil or we just assume that this, they refer to the devil. So I'm going to stop re- re- recapping what I talked about before and I'm just going to jump into comparison between those two stories. And one of the biggest one that I want to talk about is in the book of Genesis, man, God, talks to man and he talks to him about that he can take care of the Garden of Eden. He can do whatever he wants there. He has to protect it and till it. So he, he was doing a job. He had a job to do. We don't know exactly what it was. There are theories when it comes to the mythological reason for it, but I'm not going to delve into it at this time. But basically, God put man in the Garden of Eden and told him, this is yours to keep and till. And you can do anything you want as long as you do not eat from this tree, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because when you do, you will die. The Bible says that the serpent, not a devil, the serpent came and talked to Eve and told her to eat from it because when you do you will not die you will in fact be like God and so they did and once they did they became self-aware this is what separates man from animal in every aspect is that man is the only species on the planet that is self-aware and that we know that we are going to die we know that we have a specific life and a time on this planet to be alive and that there is death coming. We are the only animals who are aware that we are naked, that we have a conscious, basically complete self-awareness. In the mythology of the Sumeria, when man defied Enlil, Enlil came to Adam and he told him not to do anything other than his job, He basically defied him when Enki came and told him do not listen to Enlil and eat from the tree because once you eat you will understand more things and when they did man became aware of his own existence. I find that very interesting that uh, uh, if you want to like a, a civilization that is so old that is now around could be around nine to 10,000 years old, is talking about self-awareness. It's talking about doing something in man, mentioning that there is something within him that was a fusion of two different species, and talking about self-awareness and awakening to the world around us. This has not been mentioned in any other mythology throughout until now. So I find that very interesting where that idea came from to them. And in the Bible, or in the book of Genesis, it is said that, see, the man has become, when when God knew what happened, and he was very angry at Adam because he defied him, and he kicked him out of the Garden of Eden, he said this line. This is from the book of Genesis. It says, then the Lord God said, see, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground for which he was taken. Two things stand out to me in this line. 
See, the man has become like one of us. Us? Who is God referring to when he says us? Why is this a recurring theme in the Old Testament that there seems to be more than one mind thinking or talking when it comes to God? There's, there's a bit of contradiction and it feels like there are two separate entities or several that talk about things because one of them talks about the creation and how strong he was and how much he wants to give his love and how much he is existence in itself. And then suddenly the same God turns and gets angry because man is might eat an, uh, another fruit from a tree and become like one of them. So who is them? Who is one of us that he's referring to? And what is this tree of life that is a physical thing that helps man overcome his own mortality? This is something that is very recurring in all the different uh, religions, Abrahamic ones, including Quran, where God said that God, Adam has eaten from the tree and he might become immortal as well. So... With that first comparison between the Bible and the Sumerian mythology, I find it weird that they sound so much alike. It's like one has taken from each other, or there is a message that is being talked about over and over so that perhaps mankind doesn't forget their origins. But it, had to be, it has to be told slowly over thousands and thousands of years in order to, for us to accept it on a unconscious level another comparison that I want to talk about is when it comes to the flood so the flood in the Bible is when Noah had a, a visit from God again a very you know like a physical being the way he was, he's mentioned in the Old Testament not as a God so he let me find it. Okay. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside out with pitch, and so on and so on. This is when God showed up to Noah and talked to him and told him that I'm going to flood the earth with water and everything on it will die except you, your descendant and your family because you are good men. And of course, we know the story about taking all the animals with you to the, uh, to the ark to, to save. Now, this story, surprisingly, is also written in Sumerian records. And in the Sumerian version, this is what is found in what is called the Epic of Gilgamesh. So a lot of you have heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh. I would invite you to go and read it. It's considered as the first piece of poetry or fiction that has ever been written. But the, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a story that took place or was written nearly 6,000 years before the stories that were have that, that in the Bible, it said, Gilgamesh himself was a legendary ruler in the ancient city of Uruk, one of the cities in Sumeria. And... Apparently, he was supposed to be two-thirds gods, one-third man, which is another reference to a mix between man and God. We were not created by them, according to that mythology. Gods did not create man. They, in fact, invoked part of themselves within us. Very similar to the Abrahamic religion's depiction of God and the creation. 
And this is written within the this story of the flood is in the 11th and 12th tablets of the Epic of Gilgamesh that there was found. Now, instead of Noah, the main hero of the story, he was called Utnapishtim. Utnapishtim, and he was the version of, the, of Noah. And in that story, he was close to one of the big deities in the of the of the pantheon. And when they spoke to him, they told him that they are very angry because there seems to be a war among the gods. And that is uh, theorized that it had come from the split between Enki and Enlil over what to do with man and how to deal with him, to treat him like, like basically when Enki gave the self-awareness to man, Enlil was not okay with it and there was a, they, you know, kind of like broke apart because Enki defied him. And Enlil was always afraid of man and what they can do, according to mythology. Basically, Enki was an all-knowledgeable, interested god in man and what they can achieve, whereas Enlil was more afraid of them and he did not want them to reproduce without uh, population control. He did not want them to become powerful and strong and united because he knew that at some point they will rebel against him and they will no longer accept that they are ruled by a higher entity. So in this version of the story of the flood, basically an entity comes to Utnapishtim and tells him that there will be a big flood that is caused by one of the sides of the god which is known as Enlil because he wanted to destroy the other uh, the humanity and he told them I'm gonna tell you what to do you have to build a, a big ship you have to get on board of it you have to bring with you animals and so that you can uh, save it and it said that the flood was so big that all even the gods were afraid of it and they went up to their spaceships or went up to the heavens to uh, basically uh, wait it out, wait the flood out until they can come back. So this is another very similar comparison between what the Bible talks about a flood and Noah's ark and the animals and what God tells him and Sumerian mythology. And also, if you look at it from a pure literal way in the Bible, it does seem like the, that God is two-minded when it comes to what he wants to do. On one hand, he wants to destroy man. He's afraid of them. He doesn't want them to multiply anymore because they are violent and they are killing each other. On the other hand, he wants to save a, a, a small part or a small amount of these people along with animals. It sounds to me like a very divided God and it's as if it's not only one person or one mind talking, calling it person. At the same time, it does seem like it's a very physical uh, way to deal with things that God shouldn't have to deal with in a, on a physical level. When you're, when, you're, when you're referring to God as the creator of the entire universe in the Bible, when you're referring to God as he created everything within six days, rested on the seventh, why would God have to physically interfere and ask man to do something 
like such as built an ark and put all the animals with it can't he just you know flick his fingers and do it can't he just will it into existence can't he just reset everything why are we referring to god in such a an actual being an actual entity that we can communicate with instead of the all-knowing creator it does seem like there is a very physical aspect to this god another very important part of the bible is when they depicted the tower of babel now the tower of babel according to history is one of the biggest achievements of man at the time it was in babylon and men basically came together and built a huge tower as a significant as a monument as a symbol of their unity and their you know co- community as a, as a as a community as a society after they were kicked out of the garden of eden or whatever and i'll read for you the two different comparison between what the bible says and what the sumerian tablets say in the bible it's written then they said come let us build ourselves this is book of genesis 11 chapter 11 Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals have built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off the building, the city, left off building the city. Therefore, it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth before we even compare this story to a mythological one what how at what point does it make sense to anyone that god again creator of everything is afraid of what man can do and doesn't want them united this literally contradicts every single thing any religion teaches. Every single thing about unity, about love, solidarity, love one another, be together, acceptance, forgiveness, everything. And here you have a story in a Bible that is the basis of three religions that have been fighting over, by the way, fighting each other since the birth of these three religions. That's another side note. And in this Bible, it is written that God decided, oh, we are afraid of what man can do if they all unite. So let us go down, destroy the tower, scatter them all over the earth. I don't know. If that sounds normal to you, then please let me know because it does not sound normal to me. It does not sound to work with any sort of religion that is teaching about God and about love and about acceptance. And if we want to compare it to a more realistic and more mythological event or historical event, this is what 
in the epic of Gilgamesh as well, they talk about. They say the building of this temple offended the gods. In a night, they threw down what, what has been built. They scattered them abroad and made strange their speech. The progress they impeded. In fewer words, this expresses all the major aspect of the Genesis account only deviating with blah, 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 blah. Basically. In the, in the epic of Gilgamesh, it is also written, just like it was written about Noah's Ark, just like in other mythological parts that were written about Adam, about Eden, about the serpent, about the tree of life. They also mention the Tower of Babel. And they talk about how this tower, this tower was so great and monument, was so strong and big, that it offended the gods. And that they, the gods came down and destroyed it. To me, if I'm referring to those gods, if I want to go out of my limb, if I want to go, you know, humor all the conspiracy theories and all the, everything that sounds crazy and doesn't fit in today's world. If I want to refer to the Anunnaki as an actual alien race that came down to earth and made contact with man or actually helped create man through scientific means by fusing one of their own with one of an existing animal, that they enslaved man because we were a lower being. And one of them decided that we need to be awoken and self-aware. And then when we became self-aware and we became stronger, the same gods who wanted to separate us actually destroyed items and destroyed buildings that we created so that we don't get united. Now that to me sounds a lot more realistic and a lot more logical. And it fits with what today's world is based on and everything that is ugly in the world and all the, everything, how we are divided, how we keep getting divided until now, how we are separated over topics that don't even make sense if you want to sit down and think about them, such as racism and religious differences and and philosophical differences and gender differences and everything that should we should not be separated for, we are still separated, then that sounds a lot logical to me. So, where am I going to end this? Where am I going with this? Now, do I believe that an ancient alien race came down to earth and enslaved man? I don't know. Maybe I'll never know. Do I believe that there is more to what religion tells us? Yeah, I, I think there is. But I do know one thing, and I think that is the basis and why I'm very interested in this topic and why I'm going to keep researching it. On one hand, you have three different Abrahamic religions that has originated in a land that has been at war ever since those religions came to be. We're talking about a land in the Middle East that has been fighting among each other over how different they are, even though they are actually very similar, for the past 7,000 years. And that should not happen. So I do believe on some level that Yes, something has been done in order to divide man 
and move them around instead of actually bringing them together. Do I believe that there is an alien race that has at some point made contact with man, that we have looked at it and we have worshipped it as gods, and somehow they are still influencing us today and in some sort of power. A lot of, a lot of evidence suggests that, but at this point there, is only, there are only speculations and theories. So I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you or try to convince myself that everything that's happening is because we are being controlled, because we, I'm not doing that. What I want to do, and this is the reason why this entire podcast was created, is just to tickle some ideas in my mind and in everyone's mind. The more I want to talk about the subject, I research it, and the more you hear what I have to say, you think about it as well. It could be very triggering. It could be upsetting. It could be challenging a lot of beliefs and a lot of ideas that we all have grown to accept as ultimate truth. And anything that has defied those truths was called the work of the devil or that it is not the correct and we should not fall into the temptation and we should not all fall of that. But I see as one truth only. And when it comes to the Anunnaki themselves, when it comes to those mythologies, they are very different than every, than every other mythology that has ever been and I think ever will be. Because... Unlike those mythologies where gods are depicted as in, the, in heaven or somewhere else they live or everything that separates them from man, all the evidence in the Sumerian tablets suggests that the Anunnaki are actual historical figures and not mythological ones. The way they behaved, the way they talked, the way they dealt with mankind, the fact that they were divided among themselves and so on and so on. Not only that, the language that has been written, the first language that has been written, the Sumerian language, or when it's written, it was called the cuneiform, is alone and is unique from every other language in history until now. Every other language we have has a part of it that actually connects to one another from the Aramaic to the Phoenician to the Arabic to the um, Germanic, English, French everything is a language that has evolved and taken part from except from a language that came before it and it developed into something new except the, the Sumerian language the Sumerian language has no follow-up to it. It has no descendant. It is unique in its form and it fits with the story of the Tower of Babel which is mentioned both in the Bible and in the Epic of Gilgamesh that there was a unique language known to man and that because of intervene because basically God in the Bible or God's 
in the epic have intervened in mankind's progress. They have made them forget that language, scattered them all over the world, and made them not understand each other. So we're not just talking from a mythological or religious point of view, we're talking from a linguistic point of view, that there is evidence that this language is unique and that nothing came after this language, which begs to differ how did we develop new language after it, if nothing came from this first one that we have. And at the end, I invite you all to do the research, to read books, to listen to ideas that challenge whatever you believe in originally. Because nothing is as simple as black and white. There is no, there's nothing that is just given without holes in it, without, without passing of like, without ideas that have not been passed through to us. I want you to think of this concept for just a second. How much we don't know when it comes to history, how much we have lost throughout time. Because imagine this with me. I read it somewhere and it kind of like shook me. Cleopatra, the Egyptian queen, lived in 46 BC. 46 BC. So that would make it around 2066 years ago that she was alive. Now, in terms of math, she was closer to us than she was closer to the time the pyramids were being built. Because the pyramids were built around 3000 BC. So imagine to her, those pyramids were ancient history and they didn't even know how or why they were built at the time. We look at past civilization as all as young as 1,500 years old, as 2,000 years old, let's say during the time of, of Jesus, or 1,400 years ago during the time of the prophet and all that. And we look at it as an ancient time that there's so many stuff and stories that we don't know what happened. And we're talking about a civilization that existed 7,000 years ago, a civilization that's so ancient that what we consider as ancient civilization used to consider those as ancient civilization. So, of course, there's so many things have been lost. Of course, there's so many things that we don't know. But the evidences are scattered all over the earth that so many things are happening all over the earth. So many stories, so many similarities between what we know now, what they knew back then, that it, something just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. And I will leave you with this one line from George Orwell, who wrote 1984. This is from this book, which we will talk about in one of the future episodes. I will dedicate the entire episode for 1984. He says, who controls the past controls the future. And who controls the present controls the past. Any information that has been kept from us, any information that we have been lied about, any information that has not been dubbed as 100% true, scientific, proven, existing, everything, is there for a reason. It is being hidden, it is being put in the darkness, because bringing it to light will help mankind become more aware, will help us awaken into a higher sense and we will no longer accept being part of a world where we are enslaved 
in our minds and in our thoughts and our beliefs just so that we cater to a specific group or a specific social construct that we know deep down of us that this is not what we are here to do. That we, this is not what life is. This is not what all life should be. So on that end, this is the story that I told you. This is the comparison that I've shown you. And everything is right there online for you to go and see. Don't take my word for it. Don't just humor me. Go out and see how much of what I said is true and how much it applies. And I invite you all to think about it. If you are on my YouTube channel, please comment below. Tell me what you think. I would love to discuss with you. And as always, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for watching me. And I will see you next time in a new episode. Thank you.